Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 9 of Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to be reading verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Now God here is speaking of the creation of a new heaven and a new earth that will be inhabited by a new people all those that he has saved and redeemed out of this world. And that's what he's referring to when he says, Behold, I make all things new. It is a completely new creation. If we could go back to the beginning, the time when God spoke and he created this world and this universe, and he created the animals and he created man from the dust of the ground and and at that original point the beginning of this creation all things were new and everything was good and perfect there was no sin no death no misery the creation had not seen corruption but we know that um soon man fell into sin he believed the lie of satan over the true commandment of God. And uh, as a result of that, death entered into the world and God cursed the creation so that a sinful man, a cursed man, would not rule over a sinless creation. And ever since there has been floods and hurricanes and earthquakes and all kinds of evil things, destructive things, that have come upon this world. And the world has been in misery. The people have been in misery. The creation itself has, as it says in Romans chapter 8, been sort of groaning as a result of the corruption that has come upon it. But now it's the end, and the former things are passed away, and God is creating once again. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but God is a God who works. He He says in the Bible that he abhors idleness. And, and so he commands man to work. We are to work because God works. Remember, God is under his own law. And when we read the creation account back in the book of Genesis. He worked six days. What did he do during those first six days? He was creating. He was creating the world, the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, mankind, all the things that would inhabit the world. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And and then he instituted the seventh day Sabbath. From that point on, throughout the whole Old Testament for over 11,000 years, 
the seventh day, Saturday, was the Sabbath day to teach man that there needed to be rest, pointing to the work of Christ that um, God's elect were to trust in because salvation is not of man's work in any way. But anyway, the reason I mention that is that God's work was creation. So therefore, when we look back into eternity past, and we know God has always been his eternal God, and and that means he's existed forevermore into eternity past. He's always been. And, you know, if we could use the language of time, we would say that's an awfully long period of time. What was God doing? We know he would have been busy. He would have been working whatever work God would do. And and from the Bible, we know one of the things that God calls work for himself is creation. Therefore, he would have been actively um, been occupied in creating worlds, whole creations, like he created this world, this present world that has seen corruption. And the Bible tells us that this isn't the only world God will create because on the last day, when this world is destroyed, what does the Bible tell us will happen? God will speak and create a new heaven and a new earth. And, and, and so we see once again, God performing work of creation. That's a second time. And that, that we know of. And, uh, we also know the Bible speaks of principalities and powers that this present world has been put on display to. They are viewing or witnessing all of the uh, events of history that have taken place in this world in some way or another, or God has put his salvation program on display to them, which highlights his glorious attributes of love and mercy and goodness and kindness and so forth. But again, certainly since God has been active, we know that he would not be idle, that would be sin, and God's under his own law, so he must have been active, he must have been working, and in all likelihood, he has been occupied in the work of creating various creations and and overseeing them, as he did with this world, as God continued while this world developed and or while this world continued, God uh, created new babies. He created new life generation after generation. He watched over it. He maintained it. He continued it. The Bible says that the breath or the, the life of each individual is in the hands of God, that he, he has kept us alive and it's all part of God's uh, watching over his creation and part of the work that he performs. Well, now we're approaching very rapidly. There's a strong likelihood October 7th, 2015, 
will be the end of this world and the beginning of a new world, a new earth, a new creation. Something that is not that foreign for God to do. That is, we know he created this world and we know the biblical evidence suggests he has created other worlds or creations apart and separate from this present creation. And we know the Bible um, reveals he will create again. And of course, we shouldn't think that the creation of the new heaven and new earth will will be it. Oh, that'll be the last creation God will ever create. Well, nowhere does the Bible tell us that. God will continue to be God into eternity future. And he's a brilliant, infinite being that uh, that certainly has um, things in store for uh, us and, and for himself that he will uh, continue to do into this eternal future that he will bring all of his elect children into. And uh, I don't think there's any question. He'll continue to create other worlds, other creations that that he will continue to work at. But But we are looking forward to this one particular creation because it will mean the removal of the believers from this world into that other world. And the the problem is that this present world is the only world in all of God's works that, that he has created that has seen corruption. It, it will not be the case with the new earth. The new earth will not see corruption. That's why God speaks of it as being, uh, as he likens it to the land of Canaan, an everlasting habitation. It will be an eternal home, an eternal dwelling place for the children of God. And the only way it could be eternal is that it will never see corruption. Because, as we know, since this world is seeing corruption, it must be destroyed. Anything that is seeing corruption as a result of sin must be destroyed. That's why the unsaved must be destroyed. But that place, that new world, is an everlasting possession for the children of God who themselves will live forevermore. They have everlasting life. And and so there'll be no corruption in that world. There'll be no corruption in anything else that God creates. It was only this one act or work of God that God permitted, God permitted Satan to fall. He permitted Satan to present the uh, test to Eve. And he permitted Eve and Adam to fall again in order to make manifest and, and to demonstrate and put on display to all principalities and powers the, these wonderful, glorious attributes of God himself. That it's one thing 
to know that God is love, it's another thing to see it in action. Where God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Or it's one thing to know God is merciful. It's another to see it demonstrated by bestowing mercy upon a people that do not deserve mercy, but deserve to be destroyed. And yet God grants them eternal mercy, uh, everlasting mercy, and, and so forth. With all of his attributes, God has shown the glories of his very person, of his being, by allowing this world uh, to uh, experience the corruption that it has and man to to fall into sin. Not saying that God is responsible in any way or guilty. Oh, no, there there is no responsibility of God because mankind is a responsible agent and, and man himself or herself is responsible for our own sins. We can't blame God. God just permitted the test and and God did not hold us back that kept us from sinning. But that doesn't mean he's responsible for our sin, for Adam and Eve's sin and all of us in Adam. No, we are responsible. We are guilty. We have sinned and we have brought these things upon us. But anyway, here in Revelation 21.5, that this is um, just a, a wonderful statement uh, that God is making. Behold, I make all things new. And when God says this, you know, we, um, we, we have to understand when God says he makes all things new, that that's not like a man talking. In this world, uh, people throw around the word new uh, all the time. New and improved product, a new car, a new house, a new this, a new that. But it's still a part of this same old world. But God is is using it in a different way. He's speaking of a new creation. A new creation. You know, um, God started the renewal process in his salvation plan. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says in um, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Doesn't that sound very similar to what we read about the the earth um, here in Revelation 21. Uh, it said in verse 1, I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And then in verse 4, there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Well, that's exactly what God said concerning those that he saved, the elect people that he redeemed out of 
the, the mass of mankind. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new for that individual. And we wonder, well, how can that be? That all, how can God look upon you or me as a new creature after salvation when we're still the same person and we, we still have the same body? We, we still have the same, um, speech and, and we sound the same, look the same, and sometimes we act the same in some ways. And how can God use this kind of language? Well, he's looking at the first resurrection of the soul. The heart of the one that he saves is drastically changed. Because what was our old heart like? The heart of man was desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. A heart of stone. A heart that Matthew says proceeded, uh, came forth all manner of evil, flowed forth from the heart. But then God changes the heart. And remember the language that um, is used in Ezekiel, in case you think that that uh, God making things new is just a New Testament thing. No, uh, he said the same thing in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel 36, in verse 26, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and shall keep my judgments, and do them. See, a new heart, a new spirit, a new creature. Uh, you're, you're a new creature now. You're uh, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You've been translated out of the darkness of this world and into the kingdom of God's dear son. You, uh, in salvation, have been elevated into the heavenlies to be seated in Christ Jesus and now you have a new born again soul that is perfect in every way without sin according to 1 John there's there's no uh iniquity of any kind in the soul existence of the child of God and and that is a completely new creation when God speaks of making something new we can be sure that that means there's no more sin there. If it's a new heart, there's no sin in that heart. If there were sin, then it'd be just like the old heart. Or a new spirit, which is basically saying the same thing. It's synonymous. And and so when God speaks of a new heaven and a new earth, no sin will be found there. But he started the renewal process in his salvation program as he saved people out of the world, the first resurrection made them new creatures. God then, of course, will complete the salvation of the sinner with the resurrection of their body, 
they'll receive a new spiritual body. According to First Corinthians fifteen, it's a spiritual body, which is something、uh, when those two terms are put together, we can't understand because we think of a spirit without a body. But but it's a spiritual body, and then will be one whole new personality, sinless in body and soul, placed in the new earth and the new heaven, where. We will dwell with God forevermore. No more sin of any kind. Now、uh, God says in Ephesians chapter two, using some of the same kind of language or ideas. It says in Ephesians two, verse fifteen, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of twain or two of twain one new man, so making peace. That's what salvation has done. It makes of twain one new man, a new creature with a new heart and a new spirit, and the indwelling presence of God also. Um, making this one new man, and and that's the wonderful fact that has already happened to the child of God. Also in Ephesians, in chapter four, it says,、uh, beginning in verse twenty-one, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So that's something that God has to do.、Uh, uh, this is the work of God that ye believe. It says in John six. And and we're saved by the faith of Christ. So God has to act upon us. He has to do the work of salvation in us. And yet the outworking of that is we will see the old man put off and the new man put on as the Spirit of God within us begins to. Um, move within us and and give us that ongoing desire to do the will of God, and and so forth. Well, let's let's go to Isaiah forty three, and also see another passage in the Old Testament where the Lord speaks of making new things. In Isaiah forty three, it says, beginning in verse eighteen. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old, and that's an interesting statement because that's exactly what God said when He spoke of creating a new heaven and new earth in Isaiah sixty-five, in verse seventeen. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. So that. That leads us to believe that here in Isaiah forty-three eighteen, that that also is in view. God is speaking of 
this creation, this present world, when he says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Well, when we look at this whole passage, we see that when God says he will do a new thing, that in this passage it's pointing to forming a people for himself. That would be the the language of forming uh, reminds us of creation as Adam was formed of the dust of the ground and God will make a new creature, a new body of believers, a whole new race of people, not after the first Adam, but after pattern, after the second Adam, who or the last Adam, as 1 Corinthians 15 calls him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we will be like him rather than, as we are in our fallen state, like Adam. And, and so when God says he'll do a new thing, he will, uh, send forth a new gospel, a new covenant. He will form a new creature. And as verse 18 here, uh, implied, he will create a new creation in which after uh, that happens, the former things are not to be remembered. And, and so all this is involved when God speaks of doing a new thing. And behold, as he says in our verse in Revelation 21.5, I make all things new. All things new. And, uh, you know, um, it's just a glorious hope an expectation that we, the people of God, have as we look forward with hope, with with a, a tremendous hope that God will shortly perform this and, and again do a work of creation and create a new heaven and new earth. But also, uh, it's interesting that the Bible says that the creation... The world, this present creation, and that would include the universe, is also looking forward to the, the, the destruction of itself and the formation of a new heaven and new earth. Now, uh, I know that idea doesn't, uh, sit, would not sit well if they would listen to it to people who want to preserve this earth for forever, basically, for as long as they can. But, uh, and, and they want to protect the earth, uh, Mother Earth, and yet the earth itself, God, as it were, is, is putting words in its mouth. If the earth could talk, it would say this, that we read in Romans chapter 8, in verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature, this word is also translated as creation, even in this chapter, 
and that's what it should have been translated. The earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God, for the creature, or the creation, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature, or creation itself, also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, and that's the same word, groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. You see, the the creation is, as it were, groaning and travailing, looking forward with expectation, as it said, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God to be delivered. It's it's very interesting how God speaks of the creation using this kind of language. It's almost the language we would expect of a sinner looking for deliverance. Well, uh, we've run out of time in this study. We'll pick this up when we get into our next Bible study in the book of Revelation. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.